bonjour, all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco. Holy cats! July is fighting the bullets. Do you believe it? It's almost over. I can't believe it. Boy, it's been a hot one. Uh, we were gone all day yesterday, and you should... I didn't get a chance to water anything. We had to catch a really early ferry yesterday, and... Uh, you should see my tomato, my uh, strawberry pot. Oh, man, it almost killed them, but I got water on them in time this morning. But oh, la, la. Hey, uh, so I want to say right off the bat uh, that this show is dedicated to uh, the memory of a really great friend and person uh, who I went to her funeral yesterday with Mary so uh, it's Delona Kent. So many of you who have traveled with me on some of my garden tours, Mary and I, that we've led around the world, uh, know Delona because she came uh, to she came to England. That was one of the very first tours. France, Italy, and Sicily with Mary and I. So uh, just have wonderful memories. Uh, she was born in 1921, so she was 97. <laughs> and uh, I'm not laughing. Uh, it's just I'm laughing of all the wonderful memories I have with my friendship with her. She was a master gardener. She was like uh, she organized an investment club that did really well. She was president of the Business Women's Club. Uh she worked at the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard for years, and uh, she was a fantastic traveler that went on more trips than with us. But my favorite memory, I have a lot of memories. I could sit and tell stories about Delona all day. But my favorite memory is that uh, she was, you know, she was getting up there. I think she was 87 or something on one of the tours we did. And uh, she... She had this amazing um, hair thing. She, her, her hair was kind of up on top of her head. It was her real hair and everything, but it was this incredible do. And uh, so on every trip, it never failed. Some guy would walk up to me and go, uh, hey, uh, is that Elizabeth Taylor? <laughs> it always just killed me every time it happened. I would just, I, I'd say, nah, nah, she's way cooler than Elizabeth Taylor. So, uh, so you'll be missed, Alona. But uh, I'll be thinking about you a lot, to say the least. So, and uh, hey, but I also want to say hi to everyone I spoke to this week. Okay, so uh, I was at the Whidbey Island Fair. Uh, that was last, that was Saturday, I think, yeah. And uh, so that was wonderful. When I started, it was really hot out, and there weren't that many people. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not getting that big a crowd, you know. By the time I ended, it was standing room only. There were people all over the place watching, so I really, really enjoyed that. And I love it when lots of people come. And... Um, so I gave away some fun plants and a T-shirt, of course, and the person who won the T-shirt really loved it. So that made me really happy. And as a special uh, kind of thing, uh, I was over in Langley, and I I got there early because you 
you can't trust the fairies right now as anybody who takes some knows. And so uh, I took a pretty darned early ferry. So I walked over from the fair to Langley and was having a really good time walking down by the water, meeting people. And uh, I went in this store to buy some water. And lo and behold, who do I run into but Val Easton, my good friend that used to write the uh, the column for the Seattle Pacific for so many years. And as you know, I'm writing that right now. And uh, so it was just wonderful. And we walked practically back to the fair together talking. And uh, she's teaching yoga over there these days and doing fantastic. And I'm sure she's still writing and doing some speaking too. So uh, it was just great to see her. That was an extra treat. Hey, and um, then I think it was Thursday night, I attended the Grow Fundraiser Dinner over in the Inner Bay Pea Patch. Holy cats! Was that fun? It was a wonderful event, and everybody was so nice. The Pea Patch looked fantastic. I met this guy. He's an architect. This is the nice thing about pea patches. People get really attached to their pea patch. This guy's a really well-known architect and fantastic one. So he designed all these buildings and arbors and everything that are in the pea patch. And uh, it's, oh my gosh, it's just fantastic. And everybody must have really spiffed up their pea patches because it looks so good. And, you know, all the people are so proud. And I know this is true. This is the 45th anniversary of pea patch this year. And I know this is so true. Every pea patch I visit, the people are so proud of it. And they're also proud that they have giving gardens where people volunteer to uh, grow food that goes to the food banks. And we have so many hungry people in Seattle now. So that is something that I just think is so wonderful that they do in the pea patches and community gardens here. So that was one fun night, wandering around with a great glass of wine, checking out all the pea patches. How do you get better than that, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and somebody won a t-shirt too. So it was great. I really enjoyed it. So thanks for inviting me. Now, I just want to quick let you know before I take a break. Hey, I'm flying so low today. So you'll be able to call me and the number is one 973 cairo one 973 5476 So I hope lots of you call me. I do have some emails that I can tell about. Hey, and um, uh, let's see. I want to let you know that uh, Friday evening, August 3rd, I'm going to be in Lacey. Uh, and um, I want to quick just go to that because that's... Uh, so what that is in Lacey, it's the Claris Eye Center 50th anniversary, anniversary community celebration. They're going to have a food truck competition, live music, uh all kinds of entertainment, and uh, so the food truck comp- competition, if you donate to that, I don't quite know how that works, uh, then uh, all those donations benefit the Union Gospel Mission Vision Clinic, So, and lots of prizes. It's going to be fun. Dinners, movie passes, and more are some of the prizes. Hey, and then uh, the next day, August 4th, I'm going to zip down from Lacey. I'm going to stay in Lacey that night. 
or Olympia, I think. And then I'm going to uh, whip down to the Washington coast, and I'm going to give a talk at Seabrook. So it's uh, and that's at 3 p.m. By the way, the Friday deal is Friday night, 6 to 10 p.m. at the Claire's Eye Center in Lacey. So the next day I'll be August 4th at 3 p.m., giving a talk at Seabrook at the Washington coast. So if you're too hot, you just head down to the coast and uh, we'll have a cool talk to say the least. It's going to be about container design, great plants and Q and a, and afterwards we're going to have a picnic dinner for purchase. And then uh, with lots of good local food trucks, those food trucks are doing good these days. And then you could join me for a stroll with Seabrook's director of town planning and we're going to stroll around in the farm district neighborhood to explore coastal plantings. And I need to take a break, but I got to tell one more thing. So the location is at Horseshoe Park at Seabrook. If you can find Seabrook, you can find Horseshoe Park. Finally, I just want to say uh, next Thursday, August 9th, I'm going to be at Far Reaches Farm in Port Townsend. It's one of the funnest talks I do it a whole year. And uh, they are a rare plant nursery where you can find things you can't find anywhere else on earth, I think. And uh, they gave me a plant. They paid me in plants. They gave me a plant two years ago. I was the only one that had that plant in the United States, except for Far Reaches Farm, and they weren't selling it yet. Now they're selling it. Doggone it anyway. So anyway, I'll be giving away some really cool plants. I'll be answering your questions and just plain having a great time. So that is at 1818 Hastings Avenue, Port Townsend. But if you go to my uh, talks page, you could click on any of these to find out where I'm going. I'll be at the Grange on Saturday, August 11th, too. But I'm not going to get too much farther ahead of myself here. There is one reminder, though, and that is if you want to see my garden, you can still join the Northwest Horticultural Society. And if you do, then you get to go free to all these people who are on the board that have fantastic gardens. You can't beat it. So go to my talks page if you're interested in getting to see my garden and join Northwest Horticultural Society. Okay, we'll be back right after this. 97.3 Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends, brought to you by PacificTopsoil.com and Moldax in Woodenville. Ooh la la. Here's Cisco. Oh la la. Okay, we got some callers, so uh, we're going to zip over to Spanaway right now and talk to Kathy. Hey, Kathy, what's going on in Spanaway? Well, hi, Cisco. I just wanted to call in and say thank you for recommending a plant that I bought uh, that my hummingbirds are loving. I You had recommended the Hot Lips Salvia. Aha, yeah. I, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Who knew? Oh, and my I'm gosh. I'm really enjoying the plant and really enjoying watching all the hummingbirds come and visit. You know, it's a fantastic plant, and, uh, you know, it's... It doesn't take over a whole ton of the garden. It's it it's very attractive. It smells great when you hit the foliage. And boy, it is true though. The hummingbirds love that thing so much. They actually dive bomb you if you try and cut some off to show in your garden talks. You know. 
Oh, yeah. No, it's it's really fun. I love watching them. They come by all throughout the day, and they even like to, uh, the hummingbirds even like to take a little shower in the uh, sprinkler as I'm watering the plants. Isn't so that fun? Really, I love yeah, that. it's really cool. There's only... So, uh, I have, yeah. There's only two creatures that do that when you're watering something and it zooms right through the water. Hummingbirds yeah. and my puppy Izzy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I have to buy another one for my next door neighbor who is jealous of how pretty it is and how much fun the hummingbirds are. Oh, great. So next spring... When you see the new growth starts, go ahead and cut it down to about four inches tall. Okay, the new growth, cut the new growth down? Yeah, well, what'll happen, it'll get the livid tweedle beat out of it over the winter, and it'll look yep. it'll look barely alive in the spring. And then, uh, okay. what, and then what happens, you start to see new growth, and as soon as you see new growth near the bottom of the plant, at that point, you can cut down to about four inches. I usually do it in early April. Great. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. I'll make sure that gets ha- that done. Well, hey, that was a wonderful call. Thanks a lot, and congratulations with your hot lip salvia. It's a great plant. Well, thank you so much for recommending it. Okay. Talk to you again. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. Yep. Well, that was a fun one for sure. All right. Hey, we're going to go to Issaquah and talk to Judy right now. Oh, okay. We got to take a break. Oh, no. Uh, Judy dropped off. Oh, Judy dropped off. We just don't have Judy anymore. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's all right. Thanks, Brian. So I will tell one quick story about uh, uh, hot lip salvia. That is that I, you know, I'm always saying one plant or another is my favorite plant, you know. (laughs) And I do have a few favorites, but uh, I've often said the hot lip salvia is my favorite because I love the way the hummingbirds are all over it, and it's such a dependable plant. So I guess I had said that in a couple of talks. I was speaking down in uh, Oregon, and so later in the day, I was driving around in Oregon. I think I was coming back from doing a hike or something, and... um, so I see a little nursery, and I cannot resist any nursery. I have to go in and see what's going on in there. <laughs> so I'm walking around looking at the plants. They had nice plants, and I see some salvia in the back. And I think, oh, I'll go see what salvias they got back there, you know, because I, I have quite a few salvias that are my favorite plant in the world, too. And I go back, and on the salvia, there's this little sign, and it says Cisco's favorite plant. Oh, la, la. <laughs> that was the coolest thing I ever saw. I probably bought 12 plants before I left because of that. But uh, So salvia is a great uh, plant. Amistad's a really cool one to go look at. If you see that, it's got these purple flowers to die for. And if you put that next to something with, like, yellow foliage or... Uh, Golden blooms or orange blooms or orange foliage. Oh, la, la. You have to put out a box of tissues for all the grown men that burst into tears when they walk by. Okay, we're going to take a break. Hey, I hope some of you will give me a call. 
Uh, my number is one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six one triple eight nine seven three Cairo. Hey, right back on ninety seven three Cairo FM. You're listening to Gardening with Cisco on the all new Cairo Radio Weekends. Okay, looks like uh, Judy got back on the line, so we're going to go to Issaquah and talk to her. Hi, Judy. Hi, Cisco. Hi. Hi. I have a question about bindweed in my garden. Oh, la, la. (laughs) Oh, la, la. It's horrible. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm just almost wondering if I just need to, like, dig everything up and, like, not have a garden next year just to try to get rid of it? Well, I don't think it would work, but the, I'll tell you one thing that did work. Okay, first I'll tell you okay. what doesn't work, okay? Because <laughs> okay. uh, I actually ha- I worked with a guy at Seattle U named Jose, really cool old gardener. And um, mm-hmm. he had been there 26 years when I got there. And he hated bindweed with a passion. He hated horsetail, too. Those were his two things he hated. So there was this isolated bed on the campus. He decided he was going to dig out the whole thing. So it was about, I think it was about eight feet long and four feet wide. He dug it. Oh. He dug all the soil out and strained it through a strainer and then put it back in. And the next spring, guess what one of the first things that came up was? <laughs> no way. Yeah. He didn't get rid of either the horsetail or the, the morning glory. Oh, was he mad. So, and wow. the, so, But I will tell you one thing that did work at Seattle U, and that is mm-hmm. that because we didn't use any poison there. So one time, uh, one of my gardeners came in, and she's like, I hate this one garden. It was kind of a west exposure, and she goes, there's a bunch of roadies in there. And I'm like, I didn't plant them there there when I got here. She goes, well, they're burning up in the sunshine. I can't water it enough. She said, you can't find them anyway. They're covered with bindweed and horsetail. So I said, all right, hey. How about if we do this? Why don't you just dig out all the roadies and we just toss them into the yard waste because uh, we knew we couldn't give them to anybody or move it or we'd be moving those weeds with them. And then she uh, planted a lawn there. And what we did for two years, we just mowed this lawn because it was such a nasty spot. Well, after two years, she came in my office. She goes, you're not going to believe this. I go, what? She goes, I haven't seen a sign of horsetail or morning glory in that lawn this year. For a while, there was plenty, and she was mowing all the time. But the constant mowing, mowing every week for about two years, totally killed the horsetail and the morning glory. So I so I said, all right, you want to just put in a couple of gardens along the edge of this big bed and see if that stuff comes back? She did. It never came back. And now it's a beautiful garden over on the west side of the administration building. It's gorgeous. And so by doing that, we were able to get rid of those weeds. 
Now, sometimes they're so full of spores and seeds that the stuff's going to come back even later on, but it never did there. I don't know why for sure, but it never did. So you could, in in theory, you know, just turn it into a lawn and mow it for a couple years and then, you know, start with small beds and see if you're safe and it's gone. And, of course, if it comes right back, well, then you're doomed. You might as well just sell your house in the wintertime and move. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you could try um, that, you know. Thank you. I will give that a try. Cool. That's quite an experiment, so you got to let us all know how this works, okay? Will do, Cisco. All right, Judy. Hey, thanks for a fun call. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, we're going to Mark in uh, Black Diamond right now. Hey, Mark, how's is it getting hot in Black Diamond? No, it's pretty nice. It's oh, in the nice. 70s. Ah, cool. Great. So, Cisco, I love tomatoes. Oh, me too. I went to the tractor supply store there a couple months ago, and I got 12 plants. Wow. And I, and I put them in uh, two-by-four uh, tubs with gravel on the bottom, some mixture of cow manure and vegetable soil. Uh-huh. And I got them all tied up. They're not in cages. They're as tall as I am. They're six feet tall. They got blooms all over them, and there's only two tomatoes. Oh, la, la. Oh, man. Well, you know, this is interesting because I, I, this, just so you know, you're going to have the biggest tomatoes you've ever seen. Even if they're yeah. cherry tomatoes, they're going to be the size of a big girl, you know, because the, world, the world's biggest tomato anybody ever grew, it ended up seven pounds 12 ounces, and a farmer, he had planted all these tomatoes, and the wind blew over this vine, so he said, out of heck with it. It was way in the back of his property. It wasn't in this state. I, I think it was in Oklahoma. And at the end of summer, he's walking through the back of his property, and he sees this vine, and he goes and looks around. It It had the world's biggest tomato, it was the only tomato on a vine that was 53 feet long, 6 inches. Oh, man. <laughs> but, but you know, the problem is even if they start to produce tomatoes now, it's going to be a run to the end of the season before you, uh, bef- you know, if you're going to get tomatoes. What kind of tomatoes? Was it a variety of kinds or one kind? No, it was uh, Big Boys or something like that. Oh, yeah. See, those don't do well here. That's the problem. Big Boys, you know, they hardly ever ripen up if you even get them because they just have to get so big before they even start ripening up. We grew those in Wisconsin. It took three guys to bring one tomato into the house. They were so big, you know. But well, if I got one giant caprese salad out of it, I'd be happy. Hey, well, you you okay. made you know they made twenty one <laughs> BLTs out of that world champ, you know. So, <laughs> so here's well, what I here's what I would do if I were you, because these are big boys. Yeah. You're, there's no way that any of those flowers now are going to produce a tomato. So cut yeah. them off, cut off all the blooms, 
and only leave those two tomatoes and uh, keep watering, fertilize, you know, do whatever you have to do. And late in the season, if they're not reddening up, you know, like when you know rain is coming soon, stop watering and let them really dry up. I'm only going to get two tomatoes. Yeah, you're only getting two, but they could be the honkers of history. You might get a new world record, you know. <laughs> well, they'll probably be the most expensive tomatoes ever. So I went, I went online, and it said uh, don't cut the blooms off because you want to let them go and don't put cages in them. So I got, you know, I got them tied rather than putting them in cages and I tried all the stuff. I think I'd pinch Just the bl- I'd pinch the blooms off. You know what? I'm wasting energy trying to form little tomatoes now. It's too late. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All you yeah. want is every bit of energy to go to those honkers, and uh, yeah. those will be the most expensive but most delicious BLTs you've ever had in your life. <laughs> oh, sounds good. Hey, what about the? Huh. You know every seems like every week they grow another foot. Should I worry about anything that's sticking up in the air? No, the only, you know, the only thing is you don't want the whole thing to collapse on you or something. So, yeah. you know, you might have to stake it to hold it. Yeah, well, I got them staked and I got them tied, so. Oh, good. Now you're so all right on bloom, that. Take the blooms off and I only need a little bit of basil and a little bit of cheese. Yeah, little basil, little cheese, and I guarantee you're going to have enough. Out of those two tomatoes, you'll be making like 47 pastas if you use it for that. So, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Mark, let's go. Hey, thanks. Fun call. See you, Mark. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. All right, we're taking a break, and I'll have time for one call, I think, and uh, it looks like we don't have any waiting, so uh, I think, as near as I can tell. Yeah, so if you want to zip right in, you'll get your question answered uh, after this break, because it's going to be the last section of the show on 97.3 Cairo FM. This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends. Whoopsie, got to hit the button. Hey, I just want to let you know that uh, the Ballard Pea Patch Art in the Garden is happening today. So if you live anywhere near Ballard or out and about, uh, it's a really fun event in the Pea Patch there. You can find that on my events page and the Snohomish Garden Tour is happening tomorrow from noon to five. That's a fun garden tour. I've been on it many a time. Hey, now let's go talk to Amber. I appreciate your call, Amber. Welcome. Hi, Cisco. Thanks so much. Oh, you bet. Uh, I have a gardenia question for you. My husband and I are new to gardenias. Okay. We planted a couple, and they're turning yellow. Uh, in spite of our best efforts to balance the soil pH and adjust watering. So I was hoping for some masterful advice. Okay, I'll do my best. You know, these gardenias, they frustrate the living tweedle out of everybody. You know, if they do great, then you don't have to even touch them, and they just thrive. But if they're not happy, and I assume this is a hardy gardenia, and uh, you know, I wish I could tell you. Um, oh, okay. It's our first experience with gardenia, so I probably picked the finickiest of the bunch. <laughs> is it in the house or outside? 
Uh, they're outside. Uh, they're they're next to a, a clutch of evergreens, so they get a, a casting of shade, doppled shade, for part of the day, and they get sun for part of the day. Okay, that sounds pretty good. There's two things I can see that might be going on. Number one is gardenias love acid soil. So if you fertilize them, you want to fertilize them with an organic rhododendron food. So I don't know if you've tried that yet, but that would be worth uh, trying. We did some iron, so maybe we'll, we'll definitely try the roadie. Yeah, try, I, yeah, I'm not sure the iron is probably, it's all right, I think. But uh, definitely give it a shot of, uh, make sure it's organic rhododendron food, which the nursery will be able to find that for you real quick. And, um, and then I think... They have to have really well-drained soil with a lot of organic added in. So usually when you plant them, you work in some compost. But compost can be alkaline, so you got to be a little careful and make sure you up the ante on that organic fertilizer a little bit to keep everything in balance. Okay, and we, you know, we did plant them with some compost and a oh, little ash. I wonder if we threw the pH off from the beginning there. Yeah, it okay. could, it we'll could be. And, and then uh, watch the water on them. And, and here's one last thing. They are very susceptible to spider mites. So when you, uh, when you water them, blast the leaves with your hose a few times now and then you know don't blast the leaves off or anything <laughs> but uh clean them off with the hose that uh they like that cuz uh, that'll get the spider mites if there are any on them off and in this weather you can get spider mites easy out there okay well we'll give them a nice um not so gentle shower great okay. Well, hey, if, well, thank if, you so much. If all this advice works, you have to call and tell everybody because it'll be a miracle. <laughs> okay, I'll let you know if we have the best miracle of the gardenias. Yeah. All right, great. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye, Amber. Oh, too fun. Okay, hey, listen, uh, I got a little time, but uh, I brought an email with me just in case. And I really love this email from Pam. And basically, it says, uh, in you know, paraphrasing here, she says, I ran into you at one of your garden talks uh, late last winter or early spring. And uh, wherever I was, they had a bulb company. They're selling bulbs. And they had Tigridia. And Tigridia, they call it Mexican shellflower or Mexican tiger flower. It is one of the most spectacular flowers you'll ever see. It's very colorful. It's good size. It's just magnificent. And, um, you know, and they're barely hardy. You got to have really well drained soil. And I usually, I'm sure whoever it was, I told uh, that Pam, I probably told you to cover it with fern fronds after you plant it or just wait till you know, spring and plant it in March and then cover with fern fronds till, uh, until things warm up a little and then take those fern fronds off. She, she said, I did everything you said. The plant came up beautifully and it got one flower. She said the flower was magnificent and they were excited and telling people about it. They came over and no flower, no flower. And it still hasn't put out another flower. <laughs> 
Well, there was one little thing I forgot to tell you, Pam. It is that on Tigridia, which is in the Iris family, uh, the first year after... So, first of all, let me tell you one thing. Yeah, the first year after they bloom, they all after you plant them, they only put out one flower. And the flower lasts one day. <laughs> I forgot to tell you this little detail, I guess. So I know you're about, you're probably thinking, I'm going to, you know, this guy is nuts for recommending this plant. But if you can keep it alive, cover it with fern fronds in the fall, keep it well fertilized. In the uh, next summer when it starts to bloom, because it blooms about this time in summer most years, you will get like four or five flowers at least. After that, every year after that, it'll bloom all summer long. Just keep pumping out flower after flower. And people walk by my house, they knock on the door, they don't even know who I am, and ask, what's that orchid out there in your garden? It's so beautiful and so cool. So, hey, I know it's kind of a pain in the neck, Pam, for the first year. I probably should have told you about this. But, uh, hey, if you can keep it alive, next year you're going to get a lot better show. The flowers always last only one day, of course. But they'll. But every day they replace the last flower with new ones. And you usually only get one or two on the plant at any given time. But uh, So if you can keep that guy alive... It, by the third year, it'll be blooming all summer long. And I have a bunch of them coming up in my garden blooming. But I have a well-drained garden, and I have full sun, which is what you have to have for a Tigridia pavonia, which are just fantastic plants from Mexico. So, hey, it was worth it. I guarantee you're going to love it, and you'll, you will be uh, thanking me. Hey, I got to go. Bye.